Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Another backup DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black bullies in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, So it seems like the uh, Gabby curator. Hold that thought, motherfucker! Whoa! Right, there we are. We're doing the recordings. This is the Balls podcast. It can be, it has been, and it will continue to be. <laughs> Doc, he's busy. Imagine if you, um, if like. This was the first episode of the Balls podcast you listened to for whatever reason. Like, wouldn't you be really confused? I sometimes think about that. Like, if this is your entry point, we're sorry. Well, I was trying to imagine how this podcast would ever attract new listeners. I, I sort of feel like we've got this core group that just slowly drifts away <laughs> as we insult every last one of them. I mean, well, I don't um, think we do that as much anymore, but I think it kind of spikes and no. then ebbs. It's a spike ebb model that I have, that we have, the dynamic <laughs> flow. Look, if we uh, were doing this to get listeners and to become yeah, viral and sort have, of stuff, we would do it very differently. We would have sponsors and- Luckily, you or I look, are too fucking old to be bothered with being famous on the internet because that mm. just turns you out to make you look like a cunt, so there's no point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd need to go and shake the Gabby curator's hand. He's, um, he's fucked off the batsman quite happily. See, I looked at that pitch this morning and I thought that looks exactly like all of the bright green pitches in, in New yeah, Zealand that everyone bowls first on and then they turn out to be roads that have been airbrushed. Mm. And to be honest, I don't think that pitch was that bad. I just think Australia bowled really fucking well. Well, and then if you watch the wickets this afternoon, the the South African wickets, yeah, fuck me, the one Kawaja, the one that got Kawaja was just like, what do you do with that? Mm. The dude's... Super tall, super quick, and it came up on him so fast. And Kawaja's like, not a big dude. No. No. And then, you know, Head does that Gilchrist thing of, there's nothing wrong with this pitch. I'll score it or run a ball <laughs> for 70-odd. No, well, it works uh, for Baz. It works for everybody. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that there was a little bit of the criticism of the Australian side in that, uh, perhaps they're a little bit methodical and boring compared to the way England and Pakistan were playing their series. But, uh, yeah, today's play was definitely not boring. I watched as, uh, as much of it as I could in between travelling between here and the Gold Coast. So it, it feels like confirmation bias if people are taking that, that through because England had to bat like that in order to win those, those test matches in, in Pakistan on those roads. That's just how you yeah. do it. Yeah, I guess what England's trying to do is – they're trying to buy themselves time in the fourth innings. That's basically yeah. the model. Yeah. And and you're going to spectacularly fail every now and then if you do that. Like, there's just no doubt. And they will when they come down here in February, when they come down to New Zealand's actually green wickets and try that shit on. They're going to be all out 142. Yeah. And it's going to be yeah, funny. Well, well, oh, and keep in mind, he- of course, that, um, you know, obviously Baz McCullum has some history. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, parts. do you think he might change, change his um- – change his tactics at all, considering that, like, it is his backyard. Well, the fun thing is that Sim Southey was um, slightly controversially made the new test captain over Tom Latham 
with the uh, the stepping down of yes, of steady the ship, uh, Carl's um, comeback. You right? Yeah. What I'm happened? Just, more more bowlers. More bowlers. There's like four bowling captains now. It's fucking. Oh awesome. yeah. Okay. I, I get your point. Right. I, I couldn't work out what the fuck point you were trying to make was. But <laughs> oh, I was just going to raise the point that just my- when when McCullum was going to be a New Zealand captain the first time, there was some kind of ridiculous. F- kind of popularity contest between him and Ross Taylor. And one of the reasons that they didn't go for McCullum in the first instance was that his choice of vice-captain was Tim Southey, and they thought that he and Tim Southey were a bunch of pissheads who, you know, causing issues on international flights and stuff like that. And it's quite interesting that now Tim Southey is the test captain and he's coming up against his old former, you know, one of his best mates who is the captain of, um, sorry, the captain of England, the coach of England, the, the only smart person in the England Brains Trust room. That England, Australia, New Zealand series is going to be really quite interesting in February. And New Zealand doesn't have any international cricket in New Zealand until then. So, uh, good times. Great summer, uh, as we've talked about previously. I was sort of, you know, you, you think of the, the Lily Chapel England rivalry as being this fierce, bitter, we hate each other's guts fucking. Yeah, well, I mean, none of us were there. We just know it from fucking Ian Chapel books. Yeah, but. But that's like like that's the I don't know the mythology that's grown up about it. Yes and no because they always used to go for a beer together afterwards and all that. Kind yeah, of well, shit. So, so there was this photo that oh, one of the you know the cricket the old cricket sort of stuff. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the, words. the guy we're good that, at words. That's why people should listen to this podcast for the first time. <laughs> it, it wasn't the guy that posts all the old clips of people playing. It was like was it uh, uh, no, well, it wasn't him. But maybe he retweeted. But 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 it was. Both them and Lily on the rest day, so not after a test, in the middle of a test, back yeah. when they used to have rest days in the middle of the test, I guess, because they couldn't play on a Sunday or something. Um, I just think they needed a day to get on the piss and play golf. Yeah, so they're sitting in a pool next to each other with an open bottle of champagne, no glasses, so they're just sharing an open bottle of champagne. At they're the just po- sharing each other's herpes. Yeah, in the middle of a test match, right? So- like, I guess they're really good at compartmentalizing, you know, on field, off field. But but cricket is yeah, a game is a game of individual contest. So it's not like you have to run at him. You know, that, mm. I, mean, I have played backyard cricket against my best friends in the world. I want to get them out in that fucking moment. I want to yeah. crush them. I want to make them look fucking stupid. And then afterwards, uh, assuming we know what he's throwing their toys you out, we, we you, you share it open, go back open. and drink some more. Um, <laughs> That just makes me think I was born twenty years too fucking late, man. That sounds yeah. like that's how that's how sports should have been should be played now, but it's not. No, it's not. And I guess Cummins is trying to. Oh, wasn't that a nice little capper on that story about um, ex players in the most heavily inverted commas ever? Now that we know who it was, complaining that you know you couldn't get the free. Free three hundred dollar. Oh, they lost their rights to the the trough. Yeah, they, to they, the, they didn't put the feed trough out for the ex players. And of course, who did it turn north. out to be? Beza? Who was the player? Who was the the great Australian <laughs> Test player who was complaining about this? Fat Cat Richie. Greg Fat Cat fucking Richie, who basically <laughs> traded on doing a racist ass character through the nineties. It's just fucking just a fuckwit. Because I was sort of initially I. I sort of thought, well, this is like a- an opportunity to mix with ex-players and mine them for information and mine them for, um, 
you, you know, advice, leadership. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, great. Is actually, it is actually useful because one of the things I, I struggle with the Philippines is we don't really have a great X player. Like we're we're essentially just starting as a as a international yeah. side. So I don't have you need to build a culture. Yeah, I don't I don't have that long history of X players that are just wandering around that you can hit up for advice or hit up for just someone to talk to. And so I was like, oh, this seems a bit. You know, a bit penny pinching, but now it makes a lot Now you know that more. it's Greg Ritchie. Yeah. Because, you know, he's not handing out advice. He's fucking face down in the buffet. Yeah. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of culture could Greg Ritchie build that you'd want to be part of? And that's exactly, and that's probably why they canned it, right? Because the, the people that were taking up that $300 free feed wasn't the sort of culture, wasn't the sort of people that they wanted the current players to be around. It's actually. You know, it was a little bit of selfishness, and it wasn't a good message to be sending to the current mob. It's like, why you know, are we, we why are we all- paying a huge amount of money so Greg Ritchie can have a free feed? Yeah, it's funny when you when you get to the bottom of a story. I mm. guess I'm trying to think of an of a Australian cricketer who has peddled terrible performances further than Greg Ritchie because he was a mm. he was bad in an era of terrible Australian cricket. Yeah, and he he got a thirty year media career out of it, which is astonishing. Well, not if you sort of understand commercial Australian radio. True enough. He gave Brisbane exactly what Brisbane deserved in its morning radio. Like Kyle and Jackie O, despite being rancid for many many years, were this still Kyle's still around? I don't know whether Jackie O's still around. I think she might have disavowed him. Yeah. Um, so. I'm enjoying this test. I like 14 wickets in a day. That sounds about right to me. And look, it might it might flatten out tomorrow, and you know, Head and whoever might and Cam Green. I think it's flat now, and, and the batsman just batted badly. Yeah, that's the thing. What we see is that unless it's dead flat and not doing anything, um, batting these days is is just it's a world of flat track bullies. There's a lot of extremely brittle batting lineups. Mm. I mean, I, I would. Overnight, we saw a – well, nobody saw it because nobody was awake for it, but um, it was the, the second innings of the of the second BBL game of the night. Sydney Thunder oh, ball really out. got 18 or something? All out 15. 15 <laughs> of your runs. That's, you know, it, South Africa scored 10 of them. <laughs> ten, they did 10 Sydney Thunders. By comparison, it seems really impressive. To be fair to this test, these are two of the better bowling attacks kicking around, though. Yeah, and two of the more different batting lineups. Yeah, I would say you're right in that both batting lineups do well when conditions aren't hard. Yeah, you know, like even Smith and Labuschagne, who I think are really good batsmen, are probably better when you know that they can score a lot of runs when conditions are easy in. And they can score runs when conditions are hard, but I don't know whether they're Alan Border, Steve War esque. I'm going to fucking dig us out of a hole, sort of batsman. Yeah, and that South African batting lineup is is not good, and no. where they are in the Test Championship rankings is a statistical anomaly. They are not as good as that, and I think we're yeah. about to find out why. It'd be interesting if they. Like it's, I was thinking about this in basketball, right? Because the Nuggets are, uh, I was like the way Bowl Bowl is playing for Orlando, bowl, bowl, and it's bowl, just bowl, bowl. it's. Did the Nuggets give up on him too early? Because 
No, I, th- I think that's a thing where you, you can, if you're Orlando, you can give a lot more time and a lot more opportunities yeah, to okay. a player. It's the same thing with, with the youngins at the Warriors, the Wiseman. And, and to be fair, Wiseman has actually been, uh, has had some decent flashes since he came back from the G League for the Dubs. But mm. they didn't have the opportunity to give the time to the, to Moody, Wiseman and Kaminga that a team who is, you know, uh, that is going to finish 14th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, can afford to do so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's a any indictment of the the Nuggets coaching staff that Bol Bol is developing with time and space in Orlando. It's just a function of where the Nuggets were as as a team, and where they were as a team is getting beaten by the Lakers. Yeah, they just what happened there? They well, I had a look right Even without AD for most of that game or for a lot of that. Their game. starters did pretty good. But their bench was just fucking rancid, man. Mm. Like, they didn't even get, like, nine points out of anyone on the bench. They, Whereas the Lakers they, bench won that game for them. Austin Reeves. Yeah, and, like and, Reeves and, yeah. And Russell Westbrook, so- whoever that is. I think, <laughs> I think I've pronounced that right. I see um, Kirk Goldsbury's efficiency landscape for the last 10 games is up. And uh, even before today's game, in the last 10 games, the uh, the Nuggets are 24th ranked on defense. So that's way down the arse end of, of, yeah. of the comp. Number one on offense, but they just they just can't stop shit. I, I will watch a Nuggets game no matter if it's on, and I have the opportunity no matter what, no matter whether it's on or not. Because I don't know if you saw the the game before the Jokic skip pass from like halfway, and the defender's look on his face as he lunged for the ball, and it was already past him for a got you know for someone to get an easy layup and. Just the bewilderment. And it's like, these are professional players, right, that see a lot of shit and practice a lot. Yeah, but some of the Sydney Thunder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But look, look, Jokic is just, I just find it funny how, you know, guys that have been around the league for a long time just are baffled how he even exists. He's really just sort of out on a, a little well, island all of his I own. I think so much of it is because he doesn't look like he can do what he can do. And no, I think there's a whole lot not. of, let's be honest, there's a whole lot of anti-pasty fat white guy racism out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, G- Giddy, even Giddy gets it a little bit because he he looks like he should be in high school with his, you know, floppy. Like, he, he looks like he should be the drummer in the high school band. Well, yeah, or in a, you know, one of the, a, a movie about a Boston college. Like That's that's how he looks. But he throw you know, when he does those side out of bounds plays and he throws – a pass. He does that Steve Nash thing where he throws the pass where the hole is going to be, and the player has to sort of go. You mean Holy- like every football player in the history of football? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that 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 leading that le- run to the space, the ball will be there when you get there. Yeah, yeah. And now those OKC guys are just like, well, I'm just going to run, and he'll put it. Put and it- a ball might magically appear. Yeah, the ball will just be there. <laughs> That's what you want. That's exactly what you want. I just – Goldtree does that efficiency landscape where he ranks offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency on an XY plot. And um, the Cavs are miles off by themselves because they have the number one defense and the number 30 offense. <laughs> I've never seen that in my life. Wow. They are so far off to the top left. They are basically up with the NBA logo. It's amazing. And uh, and Memphis huh. are the opposite because they're way out to the right. Ah, interesting. Why is that, I wonder? Is it because Garland had so much time off and, and, you know, basically their whole offense is Mitchell without Garland there? This is the last 10 games. Oh, this is the last th- where they've had both of them there and they're still bad on offense. Yeah. This is when that- while they have been... Let me just pull up their their last ten game record. They've been six and four. So yeah, they've, they've been, been pretty good. 
It'd be okay, yeah. Uh, they're food in the fucking east. They're not. They're certainly not terrible. How about the three Nets games being- back from Boston? Who Boston have lost their last. You know, have lost three of their last four, and we're getting booed in Boston because Boston fans are psychopaths and fuckwits. Boston fans and Golden State fans are, I hate to say it, two sides of the same fucking coin. Well, because- I don't know. Boston fans do it in public with their chest, and Golden State fans just do it on the internet. Golden State won a championship last year and are like, sack Steve Kerr, trade Draymond. On, <laughs> on the, the internet. So the thing because is that of- one, like a handful of fuckwits on the internet can make a lot of noise. Yeah, but that's true. If you're getting booed in your stadium, that means people who turned up and paid money, at least hundreds, mm. possibly thousands of them are making noise. So that clearly there's more of them than there are on the internet complaining yeah. about that. So I, <laughs> I, I tend to think that it, I, I would hesitate to equate Boston and uh, Golden State fans. I, I did like the Jazz, who have been on a bit of a slide lately, have not quite been as good as they had been previously, but just absolutely- They're, they're 500 in their last 10. Uh, are they? I thought they were- thought Five they and five in their last 10. In Although they, they lost their last two. They are uh, somewhere. They're pretty good on offense. Oh, they're no, not, they're back up. Yeah, they're, sorry, they're back up to seventh. But they absolutely smacked the Pelicans up and down the court. Yeah, um, that was a that was, was just, really odd. Like, yeah, the Pel and the Pelicans were rolling. Right, the Pelicans looked fucking like mm. no one was going to beat them for the rest of the year. And here well, yeah, come, well, here the, comes the Pelicans were just, and the, the Jazz. Well, the Pelicans had just become the number one seed. Uh, last week when we recorded, we thought, okay, here we go. This will be how it rolls for the rest of the season. They're number two behind Memphis because Memphis have just sort of powered yeah, past one them. seven. Yeah, yeah one Memphis seven on the trot, and they, they'd won like four or so on the trot at that stage. Whereas, and and New Orleans had won five, but New Orleans have kind of and, have hit the buffers a little bit. Uh, and, and Bain um, hasn't come back yet, has he? Desmond Bain still hasn't come. Desmond back Bain's not back. So they, they, they've, no. got, they've got another level to go. So well, we. You know, Half step more, I suppose. I mean, it's it's not as though they're playing badly. I'm not sure how much better they can play. No, they're <laughs> not in one of their that, last ten. Uh, number two defense, number three offense in the last ten games. They're just a massively uh, balanced team. Yeah, so that that even lead, leads in more into what I was about to say, which is they remind me of the Golden Era Spurs, where it's like next man up. You know, someone goes down. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're going to rest all our starters in. You know, in Miami tonight, doesn't matter. Patty Mills is going to, you know, lead the team to a win. They, they, it doesn't seem like any of their depth is incompetent. You know, they seem really well drilled, and it doesn't matter who's got to play a role for them. They can, they can do a pretty good job of it. And you know, they they just defend their fucking asses off. So that's um, a number one net. Rating team in the last 10 games. What do you have to say yeah. about the number two net rating team in the last 10 games, which is the New York Knickerbockers? What? <laughs> New York What's Knicks that? are the number two net rating team in the last 10 games. They're number three on defense and number nine on offense. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say this with a straight face, but it's true. The Mets aren't lying. They're sixth in the East. They've won their last six. <laughs> And and the thing is that <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the Pacers, the Raptors, and the Bulls might all be. Oh, and and the Raptors got beaten today by the Nets, and they have lost all four games against the Nets, so they don't want to see the yeah. Nets again. Like the the Raptors, the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Pacers might be 
starting like what what's the point where you go I reckon I reckon the Bulls might be cooked. I mean it's it's still it's only I mean they've only played what 28 games. But they yeah. are 10 games back. That's a they're going to have to make up so much fucking ground on multiple teams. I think I think it might be done for the Bulls. They might be after coming up to the trade season, it might be time to just start cashing in some assets and well, rethinking that, this. But but if you're if you're the Knicks isn't someone like Levine or DeRozan if you're six, then yeah. and you're like, I could add Levine or DeRozan to this side. That's got to be pretty, pretty attractive. And Let's they've got a, a lot of pick, like they, they've got a lot of spare picks sort of floating around as well as their own. Oh so, yeah, because they're, they're they're still loaded up on picks, aren't they? I'm trying to think what yeah. is what does New York need apart from depth? But then again, depth isn't going to help for um for a team's team. Um, whoever it is has to be a, a plug and play option, and preferably one he's seen before, so he doesn't. Leave yeah. it on the bench for six months and just play the same fucking cunts over and over again. Well, he likes he likes veterans, so DeRozan yeah. would be DeRozan. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, um, but even like Derek Rose has fallen out the rotation with the Knicks. L- Levine just and this one's been kicking around the podcast this week, but Levine to the Mavs seems like Mavs have been having uh, a bit of a rough time recently, haven't they? Yeah, they they need some scoring. Three punch. Of their, what is it? No, I'm looking at the wrong ones. Where the fuck are they? Twenty seventh on defense. Ugh. Yeah, six, six and four in their last ten, but they're ninth. And you know the, the Clipper. I guess the Jazz is the one team that might drop back. But still, if you're in the if you're in the eight seed, you're in a play in. And I know Luca is a really really good finals performer. I have more confidence about man, Dallas because they're they're still over five hundred, even though they're ninth. Whereas yeah. Chicago are like six games below 500. Dallas beat the shit out of um, Portland today. Mm. I did see a fascinating and hilarious tweet that it was SB Nation or something saying that the Lakers have interest in Damian Lillard and other NBA stars. <laughs> like, yeah, and the water is wet. Good on you. I said, oh, yeah, we we'll have interest in supermodels <laughs> and gold bullion. And, you know, that's that's great. Fuck a load of good to us. Actually, like, I don't uh, know what I'd do with a supermodel other than sort of say, you know, which are like, can I cook you something? What, what you look like you need to feed. Was was actually actually cackling because Shams tweeted out that the Lakers were interested in shooting. It's like no shit. Are there enough shootings in LA? Uh, Lakers are still twelfth. <laughs> you know, despite the win today, they are they are just generic, terrible shit. Which is and at the and only one game behind Golden State, who are also still shit. Well, did Golden State pivot and tank? They've lost their last three. Like they're still potentially in the tank zone, right? They have got their own pick, yeah. Yeah, what wouldn't you trade Draymond to the Lakers for one of the Lakers picks? And and tank? Like I well, don't think Draymond they're isn't get, isn't the like, thing that makes them good or bad. So you know, trading Draymond isn't going to make them tank. You basically have to sit. Steph carries out with a shoulder well, injury for a while. You have to say, oh, we've suddenly discovered it's a debilitating injury that requires him to sit down for the rest of the year. Yeah, we're going to be playing Kaminga and Wiseman for the rest of the year. Yeah, and, and Clay's Achilles sore, and and Jordan Poole. How do you feel about you know you want you want to be the man? Well, here you go. You can be the man for the next thirty games. I yeah, know. I don't like, think sitting Clay is what needs to happen. I think Clay just needs more reps. I think he's just going to need reps and reps and reps and reps. Well, m- or maybe maybe you go the other way, right? And you, you try and juice Clay for next year by just giving him, you know, Westbrook type, giving him the team essentially, give him thirty five percent of the usage, just like feed him until he 
you know, until he breaks. Yeah. Well, not not until he breaks because we've seen that happen. <laughs> yeah. But it's just they've got – there's so many good teams they have to get past. Look, that, that's the thing, right? This is not the East, the old LeBron East where he could finish, you know, eighth and just yeah. run the fucking table. Like but counterpoint, the tr- if they were mm. the 10th seed, because they're, they're like half a game out of the 10th seed. Yeah. There's not a team in that top 10 who you wouldn't take them in a one in oh, a no. one game elimination against. No. Or even no. as in a in a best of 7. So I guess you just they just do what they do. It, it's just the attrition. Maybe this is maybe this is the strategy. Maybe this is the whole plan. Yeah. I don't think so though. No. They do have a, do net, they- a net rating difference of 0.2, so they're positive. I was going to say do they have their own pick this year or is this year yeah, I'm not sure. They, they owe they are picked to Memphis, which is another fucking scary thing, right? Just give Memphis another pick. <laughs> Memphis need because, more stuff. Well, that's the thing. If you gave Memphis Memphis and New Orleans, who picked one and two in the uh, in the Zion Jar draft, it seems to have worked out for them. Memphis could get the 15th pick, and they probably turn that into a really solid rotation player. Yeah. But I was trying to figure out, like, I really need like a flow chart of this because. Don't the Clippers owe like the Thunder picks for the next five years, and the and the Rockets owe the the uh, the Thunder picks for the next five years? Like that, all those picks were so far into the future. I thought it was a um, lot of twos and a lot of swaps. No, it's first round. Is, they- it, is it Tankathon that has a record of all, where all the picks go? Here we go. Golden State future draft picks. This is deep house nerd shit here. This is exactly the sort of stuff that somebody new to the podcast is interested in hearing. Fucking. Pick choice. Uh, no, they they own their pick this year. Next year, the Grizzlies get their pick. Top four protected. There you go. If I put if I put Thunder future draft picks, it it's probably going to be like a list longer than I can read. Yeah, basically, it's like all of them, motherfucker. It'd be like a be like a like a Stockdale buy. Well, no, it'll be probably it'd be grammatically correct and correctly punctuated. It, here you go. It's so long that Sports Illustrated have an actual article about it called A Comprehensive Guide to the Thunder's Future Draft Picks. That's why they had to let Howard Beck and the late and lamented Grant Wall go so they could pay for journalism like this. Next year, they've got their own clip or the pickers cl- Clippers pick, whatever's higher, I guess. Their own pick or the Wizards pick. So that's a swap. And they've got yeah. a Mavericks pick. It's usually a swap every alternate year, isn't it? Because they can't, you can't sell a pick in in consecutive years. So it's normally they sell it in the odd years and they trade it in the even years, sort of thing. Because Ted Steffian's a fuckwit. So next year they've got in two thousand and twenty four they've got their own pick: the Clippers pick, the Rockers pick, the Jazz pick, and and a second round Timberwolves pick. See, you trade that shit. So they've got you trade because there's no way that all of that turns into a players that you actually want. So bundle that up and trade oh, for somebody. You just, I guess you or you or you keep the highest one. Wait till the, you know. Wait till the the lottery and then keep the highest one. Uh, and then 2005, another Clippers pick, a protected Sixers pick, a Heat pick, a protected Hawks pick, a Boston pick. Oh, for Kemba Walker. <laughs> A Clippers pick is only ever going to be midfield, though, because under Boomer, I don't think they'll ever tank. They'll always, even even at their worst, they're going to be a play-in team. So that that's that's rotation player. Yeah, absolutely. But that that's the thing, right? If you're the Grizzlies or even 
like Presti's done pretty good with hitting on those. You know, they're not going to be stars, but they if you get enough um, Desmond Baines or um, Herb Jones sort of players out of those hits late in the lottery, that's all you need to just be. I'm just imagining if you had like an NBA fantasy team, it would literally just be Desmond Bain, Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, <laughs> Clay <Alvarado>. Thompson, <laughs> yeah, Alvarado, Draymond off the bench for vibes. <laughs> vibes. This is, this is the one that I give you an all-star vote. Team chemist. That's right. They definitely don't give it. I am going to really enjoy Actually, we should talk about the new awards. I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of the Zach Lowe podcast where he has to discuss the clutch player of the year. See, I don't know why the clutch player is a voted award. It should just be shooting percentage in the last five minutes of games that are within five points. Well, that's absolutely like What how- other assessment has there of clutch? I mean, clutch, the way it's defined, it means did you score points in the end of games and it's buzzer beaters. That's what defines clutch. Mm. And if, if that's going to be your definition other- of a player, it's going to be who's who has the best net rating. I suppose net rating might be a better way to do it because if you do a massive stop or something, who has the best net rating in the final five minutes of games that are close? The end. Oh, they also, also low pointed out Dame has two – Walk off three point shots in finals games, like yeah, but that they is about this as week. clutch as you could possibly can get. Yeah, we know that, yeah. which is exactly why the Lakers are interested in him. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so much kind of <laughs> handwritten notes in in school classrooms. My friend says you're cute. Will you go with them? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is not the Lakers are also me. interested in cloning Magic Johnson, yes. Michael Jordan. Oh, that was a fantastic stat I saw. Your mate, Russell Westbrook, mm. off the bench, got a triple-double. Um, not this game, a couple of, a game or two ago. And it was the first time anybody had done it since Magic Johnson's comeback season in 1996. Sixth man of the year, Russell Westbrook. Oh, he's absolutely going to win that award. No and, doubt. And that award is named after John Havlicek. <laughs> because when I think Russell Westbrook, I think skinny fucking white guy from Boston. Okay. Well, the the one that made me laugh is like Tim Duncan never won a defensive player of the year. He never that won shit. Just, but as somebody just, pointed out, you couldn't name any of the awards after him because then he'd have to turn up in a suit and present yeah. them and he's fucked he's doing he'd, that. He'd just go. No. It's like I'm 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 cool. I'm, I'm just going to go back to the workshop and you, you know, all yeah, you see is his legs sticking out it, the what, bottom of a fucking hemi Mopar it, bloody muscle car. It, 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 he would say, are you comfortable with hand- handing out NBA awards in my shop? Because no. otherwise, <laughs> fuck off. Yes. Uh, like, do they refresh them every couple of years? Like, as soon as LeBron retires? No, they've only. They've, this is the first time they've refreshed them. For, I mean, the, the MVP used to be named for the fucking the original um, yeah. commissioner of the league. So this is a, this is the first time in a long time. I do think they are going to need to find a way to to because there's going to be a, a, quite a few absolute superstars who they're going to have to you know LeBrons and and Chris Pauls and people like that who deserve to be remembered in some way. But I don't know how they do that unless they just keep inventing new things to name them after. I did like somebody was suggesting the idea of having. Some of the wards having like a ten-year moratorium on the naming of them. Yeah, and then you update them for yeah. the next generation or whatever. But this Look- is the same problem the NRL has with its immortals. 
and halls of fame and, and, and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, you know, I think rugby league, you know, naming their, their best, their best and fairest, the Dally M is, you know, entirely fine. Uh, yeah. that kind of works because it was so long ago, nobody can think back and go, well, I saw him play and he was shit. You know, it's a bit like naming cricket trophies after Don Bradman. I mean, people aren't going to dispute that, but, uh, because well, most of basketball happened in living videotaped memory. It's, it's a bit easier for people to have those sorts of comparisons and, and issues and, and concerns. Yeah, vi- video is really interesting. The thing that I found about, um, like, <laughs> I've always complained to my sort of the, the crew that I've got around the Philippines is I would love second spectrum for touch, right? Because I- I'm really envious when you hear Zach Lowe or Rob Mahoney say, you know, I just dialed up, th- you know, I just, I just put pick and roll, LeBron AD into second spectrum and it just brings up all the fucking, you know, all those little clips just neatly packaged for your enjoyment. And it's I think like, all you need is all you know, 22, which is what, what the NFL that? guys have, which is where, where they you know, basically the footage, the camera above the ground, and you can follow mm. where everybody is. I mean, literally with, with NFL, you've got linemen doing their thing against the other linemen and everyone has a, a different yeah, assignment. But, but, but even but even being able to say, I want to see all, you know, all side pick and rolls or something or all, you know, high pick and rolls from this season with these players. Like, you know, if I, if I want to look at all quarterbacks run by any team, like oh, I literally have to go through, you know, four-hour live streams and and cut and paste little tiny bits into my own files. Uh, Which you, you need right, data entry people to do this shit for you. Yeah, sure. With my massive fucking coaching budget that I've got, but um, like you said, the mythology is easy to puncture, I guess, because you can just go back and go, oh well, you know, we think of this player, but you know, here's the video footage of yeah. them actually playing, and yeah, and it's not, it doesn't walking quite, for most of the game. Yeah, it doesn't most quite of, match up to the yeah. legend, which is <laughs> which well, is why was walking for most of the game because he had the shit kicked out of him. That's why he was he was limping for most of the game. Well, that's that's the one. The one that always gets me like that is Westbrook, where you know you always hear people say, "Oh, he plays so hard." But if you if you watch him play, he plays very hard when he has the ball, and the rest of the time he doesn't. He's very James Harden esque when he doesn't have the ball. Yeah, but that's but uh, people only watch when people watch the ball. I mean, that's the the truth. Yeah, the that's truth true. of all ball sports is that people watch the ball. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure out with soccer to what to not watch the ball, to watch the space where the ball was going to go to. Yeah. And I still haven't got that with hockey because it happens at such a fast rate in NHL. Yeah, it's very but it's very hard, isn't then it? It's really hard to watch to, to watch hockey on television because you're like, fuck, I I I, I know I, I can't just fixate on the puck, but the problem is the puck moves so fucking quick, I'm not calibrated enough to kind of see what happens next. I'm kind of scanning the puck and then seeing where the gaps are and scanning back to the puck again. It's incredibly tiring to watch NHL. Hockey is a, a sport where I almost think they need like um, YouTube hockey for Gumby replays, where they slow everything down mm. and explain what the fuck, <laughs> you know, yeah. slow everything down and explain what happened. Like explain well, whether the this was stuff. meant or not, because otherwise yeah. it just looks like random ricochets and none of this was planned at any stage. And maybe yeah. that's the game. And, and especially the fight, like, and football's a little bit like that in in the terms of. Like you said, you're a, a rookie or a casual viewer will watch the ball, but it might be players losing a defender and 
you know, creating an overlap or creating a mismatch where, you know, a defender has to leave a player to go to yeah, another. breaking a press, drawing drawing a press in and, and, and countering off it. I mean, a lot of yeah. modern football is about the press and the counter press and, you know, how, how close your players play off each other and, and all that sort of stuff. If people just want to do a fucking goal, bang it in. Bang it in the mix here, cunt. I can distinctly clearly remember the, the game where I sort of got more interested in AFL technically and it was um, Carlton were playing someone in a semi-final. I think it was Bradley took took like a mark, you know, like one of those marks in defense where a midfielder sort of Craig come. Bradley? Yeah, this is way, way I was going to say, this is I'm, like, this must be like early 90s. 96? 90, no, 96. He was sort of towards the end of his career. But anyway, he, he came I back and took Craig a mark. I remember because- uh, Mick Malloy made some joke about uh, <laughs> had him on a, on a late show Vox Pop in like 1992, and he he sort of you know swung back in, into the defensive line, took took a mark as sort of like the third guy in, gave it up quickly, and then just absolutely busted his ass. And you could see the defender pick him up, and he just burnt that defender off with this, I, I guess, sort of endurance speed, like. It was like high speed, but high speed for like 60 or 70 metres and, and whatever the defender was, wasn't didn't have that midfield motor to be able to go with him. And Bradley obviously knew that that if he kept running at that speed, he would um, burn that guy off and someone else would have to come and, and, and tack on to him. And he sort of got, got the ball back in the middle of the field, handballed it off and then did exactly the same thing again, like this second effort, drew a defender in the in the front line so that the, you know, the full forward basically became open because someone else had to come and take him. And it's just like, holy shit, you know, this one sort of two-burst run completely changed the tactics of the defence in that they had to break from their game plan to take this extra player that wasn't supposed to be in any of the positions that he was. And that sort of made me understand how much the off-ball stuff mattered and, like, I'm starting to get that in football, but I don't really know enough of it to be able to pick up the patterns, you know, to look for those guys off the ball and go, oh, fuck, you know, that guy's made a really good play off the ball that's led to this goal or led to this counterattack where, you know, you can see all the bits moving. That's the most Craig Bradley talk anyone has ever made on any podcast. <laughs> It's a lot of talk for somebody with two first names and no surname. The, the thing is, though, that one of the first things they teach you in in uh, in, in soccer is the one-two pass, the wall pass, mm. and the wall and the one-two is always is entirely about movement off the ball because you play the ball, you're the one, you play the ball, and it's what you do between when you play the ball and when you receive it again. So that yeah. that is intrinsically part of the discussion in soccer. Is that it is always a part of the discussion is that you need to moving without the ball is as is, is as important as moving with it because you can move faster without the ball and you can go into spaces where nobody else is. Which is something you can't do in touch football because you need to be behind the person who throws you the ball. Yeah. Though moving without the ball is still important in touch as well. Shall we talk about how the Australian football managed to turn immense good? Shoot will itself of- in both feet and <laughs> the end of its dick. <laughs> Oh Jesus! This is this is really sad because it's clear that so Australian football, you know, riding along on a on a fucking wing and a prayer, made it to the knockout stage of the World Cup for only the second time with a with a far inferior football team to the one they had last time. 
And then it seems like some fucking LinkedIn cunts from the um, from the Australian Premier uh, Professional Leagues have cooked up some backroom deal with New South Wales to basically secure all of the A-League men's and women's grand finals for the next three years for Sydney. It turns out at no stage did they offer this to anyone else who might compete for it, like Melbourne, who would probably have a bit of money they could offer for this. Mm. It turns out while this was pitched as this will be fantastic, it turns out it's because um, they're broke and, and the, the deal with uh, Paramount Plus didn't bring in enough fucking money or some bullshit. And it's just I mean, the one thing that, that Australian soccer has in its favour that neither of the two other major codes yeah, have, which is, are- is the final moves around. You know, which are national but essentially regional because rugby league grew out of New South Wales and Queensland uh, and AFL grew out of um, particularly Victoria because that's where the, the comp is based. The uh, Football is national in a, in a way that, that none of the other codes are. And the fact that if you host the grand final, you host the fucking grand final, that that actually made a huge difference to it. And to give that away for 15 million bucks just seems like a fucking stupid, inane, cretinous idea that sells out all the fans who aren't from Sydney and basically all the fans who are from Sydney and from everywhere else in the country have gone, yeah, nah, we're going to walk out at 20 minutes every fucking game this weekend. So. Um, if you're wondering what, where the crowds are, but, that's where but they if are. You, if you were short of if you were short of cash, right? Wouldn't you just create a bidding war? Wouldn't you go? Absolutely, we're up. We're up for sale. Which of you major cities would like? Like even Brisbane would get in on that because they're desperate. Like Brisbane's like the, the stepchild because it, it it's not rugby league or AFL, even though it has a pretty strong culture of of both of those sports in the town. It doesn't get the fucking grand final. That, the Brisbane Strikers grand final at the yeah, Old Lang Park. Yeah, which I was at. Thank you very much. That was the um, fucking record attendance for a grand final for an extremely long time from, from what I remembered. But, but so even when you do this sort of stuff, I mean, I, I, I tweeted at the time that this is going to end up at ICAC because clearly there's some dodgy backroom deal yeah, between you and the Wales government and, and the APL, which is at some stage someone has done something dodgy here, but- Oh, it's just it's just so sad. It's just so unnecessary, and it's so Australian football to, to shoot themselves in the dick. You know, a week this should be their, their their finest moment, and they fucked it because they're greedy and stupid. And there must have been a better way to do this, and they couldn't figure out what it was. Major, major sausage that is. Look at the state of it. Yeah, stuck in the edit shed. So uh, within twenty minutes of us finishing recording this podcast. Uh, at the Melbourne Derby, uh, a bunch of absolute fuckwits in the uh, Melbourne Victory active support decided to invade the pitch rather than taking their 20-minute leave and uh, attacked the uh, the referee and the Melbourne City keeper. In the process, managing to piss away whatever was left of the goodwill that remained from the Socceroos trip to the knockout stage and turning football discourse in Australia back to the 1980s. So uh, thanks for that, guys. The thing about football is that it's become everywhere you turn, it's harder and harder to actually enjoy. Because if it's not uh, bullshit like this, if it's not fucking dodgy deals between the APL and, and the dodgiest government in Australia, if it's not migrant workers dying in the thousands, if it's not oil state clubs buying their way to European glory, if it's not rapist superstars, if it's not fucking Gianni Infantino it's just, being a football fan is so fucking difficult that it's barely even worth bothering with, which is probably why 
This is a basketball podcast. And as um, in the words of your man, Reno Gattuso. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Uh, well, on that note, <laughs> I think I need something much stronger. Grand Quail played, make- had a good game for um, the Central Coast today, though, I so. saw. The kid who's been is is on Newcastle United United's books. So, yeah, the future on the on the fucking field, it, the future is fantastic. Off the field, it's yeah. the same bunch of morons. Well, fucked it every well, time. Every, for, fucked it every decade for the last twelve decades. But when I was a teenager, I worked for Franklin's, which is a a long defunct supermarket chain in Australia that sort of was like Aldi before Aldi came along. I guess. Yeah, it was budget. It was budget, you know, you packed your yeah. own trolleys and stuff like that. Yeah, but anyway, pa- pack and save would be a New Zealand equivalent, although pack and save is still around. Towards the end of my Franklin's career, there was a whole sort of change in the way that they did things. Like Franklin's was always, always very different from Woolworths and Coles. Like we didn't yeah. try and do things the like that. The tagline was no frills. It was it was literally yeah. just no. everything was, was generic, it was just st- stack it deep and sell them cheap. Yeah. Yeah, no advertising, no shopping bags. You fucking packed yeah. your own trolley, sort of thing. And oh, then- I saw Greg Matthews in Franklin's in Randwick once. <laughs> this is not helpful. So your anyway, uh, uh, he had hair. It didn't look convincing. Well, that tells you how long ago it was. Nineteen ninety-eight. At the end of the – just before Franklin's went bust, there was a whole change in the executive team and we got – you know, we sort of heard through the grapevine that there was a whole heap of Woolworths executives that had been in heavily adverted commas. Oh, that's let right. Go. Woolworths bought them. I was trying to remember what happened to them, but yeah, no, Woolworths No, no, no. No, Woolworths sacked a heap of their top executives and they all came across to Franklin's. No, I think they, they like, did buy them in the end because the Franklin's location oh, they, I could they, think they, of yeah, they did. They did, they ended up being a Woolworths location, yeah. But but all these executives came across from Woolworths, and I kept thinking, if you were Woolworths and you fucked off a, a heap of your dead wood and they went to your opposition and then your opposition tried to be like Woolworths but didn't do a very good job, you're not going to go real well, are you? And no. I was like, I wonder, I wonder whether the AFL have got rid of a, a heap of their dead wood and they've all gone to a football district because yeah, it, that was it's the only- fair, It's the sort of thing that- you know, thinking let's make the the A League Grand Final into like a shit version of the NRL or AFL Grand Final, instead of playing up the uni- the, yeah. the unique thing it the, has, the which difference. is that it's being it's at the home ground of whoever has earned it, and therefore it's going to be a massive parochial crowd in favour of that team. It just seems like massively fucked in the head, inbred fucking LinkedIn management board thinking. And um and it's and hopefully it'll get crushed by you know it'll be interesting to see the power of the fans. I mean it's not going to matter to my, to the club I support, which is Wellington, because I reckon if Wellington earned the right to host the grand final, there's no fucking way they'd be allowed to. Yeah. Uh, but even so, I feel for all the fans in uh, cities that aren't city. Uh, in that basically you're, you're reduced to the level of a non Melbourne fucking AFL team. You don't matter. You're just there to for decoration. Which mm, is uh, a pretty sickening place to, to discover that your team is. On that note, when you uh, you can find the Balls Podcast on LinkedIn, where we post every week about our top management tips for yes. <laughs> for sport. Yes, just follow us. On, uh, our, our address is our um, handle on LinkedIn is the State of LinkedIn. <laughs> where we post all of uh, our inspirational corporate thoughts. Yes. 
on that note, Doc, I'll, I'll well, actually, will I catch you next week? Will we have a one more sports podcast before the end of the year? I guess we might. Oh, I would have thought so because we we'll need to have one more yeah. music podcast so we can wrap up. Things. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we'll have yeah, one we more need- just, just, just this side of Christmas. Uh, and, and we'll be able to preview the uh, – by then the uh, the Brisbane test will, will be run and done. Oh, I and thought you were going to say there'd be another run of the Jules album. but uh, Probably another run of the Jules album. That, that's inevitable, but that, that's something we can talk about in the music podcast. All right, Doc. I'll catch you later. Cheers, man. We return from the depths of the Batman With a gun and a knife and a waistband With the war with the devil and Shaytan He wore a bad toupee and a spray tan So high now, hoping that I land On a tie stick, moving through Thailand On the radio, heard a plane hijack Government did that like the cook crack I'm moving the world of conspiracies Obey no rules, I'm doing me Smoke kush, transport to the airport Customs that are joining my passport Full cash and I gave what he asked for God damn it, it's a motherfucking miracle